Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. And uh, tonight's session 20, entitled The City of Heaven. And uh, I'm just, like, so excited about this content. It is so much fun to talk about heaven. And uh, there's probably very uh, few places that describe the reality of heaven better than the book of Revelation. And so for us to spend a session talking about heaven kind of as a, as a whole, as a city, and then next session, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the throne room. So uh, tonight it's the whole city. Next time, next session that we're going to do, it's one room in the whole city. And there's a lot of information on that one room to give you kind of a little bit of a heads up. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at the book of Revelation theme by theme so that we can have a better uh, level of clarity about what it is that the whole council of the book of Revelation is talking about, how to understand it, so that if you see that theme again and again as you read through the book of Revelation or hear different teachings on Revelation, you can go, oh yeah, I remember that night that we talked about this exact thing. It's not just in one place in the book of Revelation, it's all over the place in the book of Revelation. And that's kind of our, uh, our hope here. Now, what we're going to do is we start off before we, in about 35 minutes, break up into groups for discussion. Uh, what we're going to do as we start tonight is we're going to talk about the, the subject of the New Jerusalem. And uh, you might go, I'm not real sure what that word means, what we're talking about. Um, New Jerusalem is the name of the city of heaven. And so if you hear the term, the New Jerusalem... You're talking about heaven, uh, according to the word. And so what I want to do, my hope here tonight, is to establish heaven as a real place, even more than a real place, a real city. To talk about heaven, not in a far-off, ethereal way, to talk about it in a very tactile, like, tactile, very, like, uh, relatable, um, concrete a place, a city, a city that you could go visit, like going to, you know, Minneapolis. You go and you, now you're in a city and it's got stuff about it that's different than other cities. And you come back and you tell your friends about the city of Minneapolis that you went to, like that. Only the city we're talking about is the city called New Jerusalem. It's a city. And so I think that probably all of us have some picture of what heaven is like in our heads when we hear that term. But I think that probably for most of us, if we get down to the actual biblical narrative, I think that most of the information that we have about heaven isn't from the Bible. It's from conversations we've heard or cartoons we saw. I think that most of the information that we have about heaven is uh, ill-informed. And what we want to do tonight is we want to look at the Bible and see what the Bible says about heaven because that's the stuff that really matters. That's where we want to have our, our head and our heart rooted and grounded is in the heaven of the Bible, not in the heaven of fairy tales or the heaven of, you know, movie scenes or whatever else. Like we want to know what the word says because that's the real heaven. And I think that it will be uh, very confronting when we read about the heaven of the Bible and how different it is than the picture that we have in our head perhaps. So... Uh, I've said it already, heaven is a real place. And if you get anything out of tonight, my hope is that. That you'll walk away with some information from the Bible 
about the realness of heaven, not, oh yeah, I know it's out there sort of, kind of, but I don't really have a grid for it. I want to give us a grid for it. That's my hope tonight. It's described as being a 1,400 mile wide by 1,400 mile long, and then also high, city. We're going to spend, later on in the book of Revelation study, we're going to spend a whole session talking about those dynamics. And so that's not actually my intention tonight. My intention tonight is to paint heaven as a city from the book of Revelation and a few other verses. We look here at the New Jerusalem uh, verse, one of the verses, Hebrews 12, 22 through 23, talking about what happens when when we've given our life to Jesus and really even what happens when we pray. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven. This is describing heaven as the city, the new Jerusalem, which uh, is what the entire book of Revelation describes. Heaven has a physical location. Now, this is one that I want you to like think about for a second. Any city that you know of, you could go to Google Maps and figure out how many miles it is from here, okay? Every city has a location, or it's not a city, it's a made-up idea, okay? I don't know if Atlantis is real or not. One of the reasons I don't know is because I don't know where it is. I don't have its address. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to go there and walk around it and see it. So I'm going with I don't know, or probably not, okay? Heaven is a real city with a geographical location in the universe. Now, we want to understand this because cities have, have coordinates, have locations. Now, I don't know where heaven is, but we do know that it is a real city with a real location. We're given abundant details about this actual city. So we don't want to think about heaven as like, you know, it's kind of out there. It's just in the spirit. It is in the physical Heaven is as physical of a thing as you are and probably more real than you. Sometimes I wonder how real you and I are. Heaven is double real. It is super real. It has a geographic location in the universe. So while you and I might not know where that is, God does. Angels do. Jesus does. The saints in heaven right now do. It has a geographical location in the universe. It's not nebulous and floating, and it's not like between the realms and, you know, ethereal. It's not airy. It's not, you have to close your eyes real hard to imagine it. It's a real city with a real location in the universe right now. And if you knew where it was, and you had a fast enough plane, you could go there to the real city of heaven. It is not a figment of our imagination. It is a city. Look at this. It's out there somewhere. I'm giving you the verse out of uh, Psalm 33 here. From heaven, the Lord looks down. From heaven, from the city. He looks down. It's out there in the cosmos somewhere. He's able to see. He's looking down from this location, and he sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all those who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. This is the Lord from heaven, wherever its geographical location is, he's looking down from there. He's not looking through the nebula. He's looking down from a real location. He's really on Mount Zion. He's really in this place, the New Jerusalem. And he's able to see. 
Now, again, we're going to spend a whole session on this, so we're not going to get into it tonight. But I want to talk about, for just a moment, the reality of heaven as a, as a city being a very, very vast city. Here it is, Revelation 21.10, I'm on page 2. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, this, this great, vast city. It's huge. We actually learned that it's millions of square miles of dirt. When you do the whole math of 1,400 miles times 1,400 miles, you've got almost 2 million miles of, uh, 2 million square miles of dirt there. And there's a lot more to be said about that that we'll wait for a future session. This is a really vast city, a bigger city than any city you've ever heard of before. This is enormous. It's, this city is the place of Jesus' permanent rule, of God's permanent rule. He's established the new Jerusalem as a place of his rule. There's dynamic overlap with earth in the next age. But God's never going to give up on heaven as his ruling place. Look here, Psalm 123, verse 1. I lift my eyes up to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. There's a throne in heaven that is ruling the universe. It's where he'll be forever. Again, the hope of this session and in our discussion is to make heaven relatable. If heaven is far away and it's like everything is foggy and weird and not real, if it's just kind of out there, if it's a, if it's a place that we can only know about once we get there and until then we can't know anything, it's just it's too unknowable, then we will not seek to spend any time understanding it. If heaven is too hard to know, then we won't know it at all and we won't make any effort. If, however... There's a thousand verses about heaven in the Bible. I made up the number, but it's hundreds for sure. If there's that many verses about heaven in the Bible, then it absolutely is knowable, and it's an invitation for us to know it. I'm going to skip here to part two, details about this city. Now, I want to focus on the most simple thought process here for a few minutes. The day-to-day realities of a city. I mean, just think whatever city you want to think. The things that are the most day-to-day, normal, sometimes broken, you know, components of a city, just the normal stuff. Not the city that's really known for this awesome thing or the city that's got the best football team. Or the city. I'm just talking about like being in a city, normal stuff. You know, like streets and like buildings and just normal stuff like that. And I want to talk about, from the book of Revelation, primarily, i got one or two verses that aren't, but from the book of Revelation, I want to talk about the stuff in heaven that's the same stuff we have here, so that when we think about heaven, we can think about the stuff that's here, there. So that there doesn't seem so weird and hard to understand, there becomes relatable, there becomes a whole lot more like here, and a whole lot less like cloudy, and weird and just kind of there's spirits floating around and it's all weird and and you know uh, unknowable that's not heaven heaven is a city and we want to talk about some of the most normal common realities that are we're used to in any day-to-day reality of a city here there revelation 4 1 there before me was a door standing open in heaven heaven has doors Now, I know that sounds so dumb, 
But if heaven has doors, you know what doors are. You know what to do with doors. You do doors all day long around here. You go over to a door, it's got a handle, you open it, and then you close it. And the reason you do that is because that door is marking off spaces. There's space on this side, it serves a purpose. There's space on that side, it serves a purpose. Heaven has doors. I want you to imagine yourself walking through a version of heaven that has doors. Because the real heaven has doors. Now, I know that sounds so elementary, but the, the version of heaven we have in our head, you, I bet you, you never thought about doors. I bet you, you never imagined walking from one room into another room. Walking. Walking. With legs. And feet walking from this room into that room, because that's what you do with doors. You walk and you, you open doors. Heaven has doors. Well, furthermore, it's got rooms. John 14, 2, top of page 3. My father's house has many rooms. <laughs> I just want us to like get really simple here. Rooms. Rooms serve purposes. Okay? You got a living room. And you got a bedroom, you got a closet, you got a bathroom. And I hope you aren't doing all the same stuff in them rooms. Okay, we got problems, we got trouble. Rooms have purpose. I promise you, if you're smart enough to define what goes on in this room and what doesn't, God is smarter than you. And God's rooms have purposes. They're not just a bunch of empty rooms that nobody's in. It's all white walls, really tall, and you just look in there and you kind of get lost in the light. That's dumb. Heaven has rooms like earth has rooms. Heaven has doors to rooms because this room is separated from that room by a door. Like on earth. Oh my goodness, now heaven's starting to sound like I can relate to it. Exactly. Heaven is relatable. Heaven is not too far off and you can't understand it. It's a city. Stop thinking about heaven for a minute, about all the glory. It is glorious. Take away the glory for a moment and think about what's there if the glory wasn't there. Okay, seriously. Imagine heaven if God was like, you know what, I'm done here. I'm going to move over there. We're going to make a new place. Okay, and he left. If God left and all the glory left with him, what's left? A city. A city with the glory of God on it. But if the glory of God lives, it's still a city. The city of heaven. It's a city with doors and rooms and storehouses. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty. There's a bunch of verses that talk about the storehouses of the Lord where he actually has some of these rooms. <coughs> He's got stuff stored up in them. So the concept of like, having a granary where we put all the grain. God actually invented that idea long before humans did. God has rooms in heaven, big ones, where he's got stuff stored up of a particular sort and that when it's time, he opens the door and somehow funnels what's in there down. He's got storehouses, big, big rooms that serve specific purposes. Walls, Revelation 21, verse 12 he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. It shone with the glory of God, and it had a great high wall. A city has walls. I mean, I know that just sounds so simple, but we don't think of heaven this way. We don't think of it as rooms and walls and stuff. 
We just kind of like don't really think about it. Just some big angel. It's really bright. It's so bright you really can't probably see anything, which then means our imagination doesn't have to work and we don't have to see what's there at all. We just imagine heaven as mostly big, vast, cloudy, and God's in there and it's good, but we have no idea why it's good. It's good because there's rooms that you walk into and you walk in the room and you go, dang, this room's awesome. God, you made the, yeah, this is like way better than anything Magnolia could pull off. This room is awesome. And God's like, yeah, I actually gave the creativity to Magnolia. That was my idea. I know how to do decor. You, you decorate? Oh, yeah, I'm into art and music. I'm into everything. Wow, this being in the city of God thing is a lot better than going to the nebulous heaven I thought I was going to. This sounds like I could actually enjoy it. Yeah, I made you human. It's not like when you die and now you're in heaven, like you've forgotten all of what it meant to be a human. And now it's like, oh, now you're like some other kind of being. No, you're the best version of yourself. And the best version of yourself knows how to walk and eat and see art and go, dang. You'll be like that because that's what heaven is like. Heaven is a city. It's a city full of the glory of God. Gates. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who have the right to go through the gates into the city. Gates. Think of a, a city and the gates. And, the, and if you don't go through the gate, you're not getting in. That's why those gates are there. Gates are there to get in. God doesn't just have gates and then it's like, oh yeah, but you guys don't really have to use those gates. You can just do whatever you want. Just like genie blink through the wall, whatever you want to. You go through the gates. That's the reason the gates are there. God is the one that designed the city. It's not like God found some already built city out there in the nebula and was like, hey, this looks like a pretty good place to take over. He built it. God built the city with walls and gates. And you know exactly what to do with gates. It's a funnel point for entry and exit. Everybody's going to go through those gates. So now imagine a version of heaven where you're coming into it or leaving it through one of those gates because you will. That's heaven. Heaven has gates. It's a city. It has streets. 22 verse 2, down the middle of the great street of the city. The distinction of calling this particular street the great street. You could call it main street if you like. Every city has streets, more than one. Heaven doesn't just have one street and then Two, you know, and then millions and millions of square miles of nothing. Just one street. One. Don't you even challenge try to make two streets. We only got one street around here, just the Great Street. It's called the Great Street as a point of demarcation from all the other streets. This is talking about Main Street in heaven. You know what happens on Main Street? Everything. Main Street isn't void. Main Street isn't barren. Main Street's got all the activity going on. This is the great street. This is the big one. This is the, like the main highway. The great street of heaven. It's a street. It's got streets. Because that's what cities have. Cities have streets. Heaven is a real place. You'll walk down the street. You might drive. I don't know. It's a big place. Streets. Books. I, mean, I know it's like so dumb, but I'm just telling you, we, we don't think this way about heaven. We think about earth as a place I can relate to, and heaven's like, oh, it's just out there and crazy, and I don't, I don't know what it is. Do you know heaven came first? Heaven was first. 
So whatever we have on earth is just like little shadows of the real deal, heaven. We don't need to be thinking of earth as the real place and heaven is like, oh, oh. Heaven is like earth, only way better. Heaven is not unrelatable. Heaven is where you will live forever as a resurrected saint. It's a city. You know what to do in cities. You do city stuff. There's books in this city. Revelation 20, verse 11 through uh, 12. I saw the great white throne and books were opened. Another book was opened and it was the book of life. Now I know this is talking about some seriously important books. I recognize that. But I just want you to imagine this for a second. Heaven, millions of square miles verse of territory. Millions. And it's only got three books in it. We're reading here the revelation that heaven has books. Because that's a normal thing that cities have. They got books. And pens and everything else. Heaven has books. This is a place you can understand. Let's keep going. Locations in this city. I love this. This blows my mind. There's the river of the water of life. It's described. He showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God down the great street of the city. On either side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, I want you to imagine portions of the river this is a giant river by the way it is massive it's probably the longest river no definitely the longest river anywhere in creation that we're aware of the parameters it is very 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 long okay this river i want you to for a second forget that we're talking about heaven and i want you to talk about the river that you know whatever river you know that you've gone to at least three times that river what did you do? Oh, nothing. I did nothing at the river. Liar. You did river things at the river. That's what you do at rivers. River things. I want you to think of the river of the water of life in addition to whatever else you're thinking as the waterfront. I want you to think about heaven having a waterfront where you do water stuff. Because there's a river. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're too holy now. We don't swim in the river. That was only on earth. All fun is gone. I know that's a great river. I know it's teeming with living creatures. I know it's glorious, but I will not go to that river. I am too holy. I am in heaven. That's ridiculous. It's a waterfront. And it's God's waterfront. I have a feeling God knows how to do water wreck better than you and I do. Heaven has the waterfront, the big one. The tree of life. I'm trying to get you to think of destinations in this city. Like if you went to a city that you were visiting and you were doing the different tourist stops, and you're like, oh, we got to go visit that museum. And it's located at a part of the city. And then you're thinking, oh, okay, tomorrow let's go over to this part of the city where the really cool, you know, waterfall is or whatever. And you're going to drive 30 minutes over there to go to the waterfall. And then people are asking you later, what was the city like? And you're like, we just went. We went to it. No, you didn't. You did stuff. You went to, you did activities. You went to destinations. You were at different locations in the city doing different things. Well, I guess you're right. But it's not that way in heaven. Heaven's boring. It's lame. Heaven is awesome. And it's real. And it has locations. It has the tree of life. It has Main Street. 
It has the temple in heaven. The temple. It has the throne room. Heaven is not the throne room. The throne room is in heaven. The throne room is a room in heaven. It's big. It's awesome. It serves a purpose. But all of heaven is not that throne room. Heaven is ginormous. The throne room is a room in heaven. It's a destination. It's a location. It's a thing where you go to the throne room and now you're doing stuff that you do in the throne room and it's different than the stuff that you do at the waterfront. And it's different than the stuff you do on Main Street. This is a city that has places in it that are in your Bible. The city entry gate. I gave you that idea a minute ago, but I just want you to think about the concept of an entry point. Passports are taken up. There's security guards. There are giant angels that stand guard at these gates. Okay, this is TSA to the max. All right? These angels are not playing around. But also, it's a port of entry. And so there's, there's stuff going on there. There's, I don't know, but it's not like you just walk through. It's like, check, you're in, next, next. These are the major entry points to God's city. These are destinations. It says that there are 12 gates. I would guess each gate is drastically different. Why have all 12 be the same? Now, we know what they're made of. We know some details like that. But I'm talking about the feel. I'm talking about the color scheme. I'm talking about the management style. I'm talking about the size of the road, the size of the gate, and what's hung over, overhead. I am imagining all 12 of these gates, like you'll know which one you're at just by being there once you're familiar with them. It's unthinkable to me. You walk around the city, and there's 12 gates, it tells us. 1,400 mile square. You walk around, it's like, oh, there's another gate. Looks just like the last one. Oh, there's another gate. Looks just like, oh, there's another. That's dumb. God is creative. These gates are epic. And they're centers for activity and life. Each one of them is a destination. Oh, have you been over to the, you know, the gate on the far you know, side, east side? Of where? I haven't been to that one yet. I heard stories, though. It's awesome. Man, when you get there, you got to eat the blah, blah, blah. It's a gate. It's an entry point to the city. Wide open spaces. Grazing fields. Stables. Why am I putting these in there? It says that the saints are going to ride out of heaven on white horses, a billion white horses or something. Okay? Let's say it's only 100, 100 million, but that's, that's way too low. But let's just go with 100 million horses. What are 100 million ponies doing right now? They are somewhere. It's not like Jesus, God gets to that moment like, oh my gosh, we forgot the horses. Angels, uh, everybody start making them out of dirt. Like, make me some horses. Oh, we forgot. Second coming horses. Oh, those horses are somewhere and horses make messes. Horses need stables. Horses need to eat. Horses need to graze. Tell me when I say something inaccurate. If there are horses in heaven, and we know that there are, those horses are not just existing or like going to get blinked into existence at that time. This means heaven has horses. If heaven has horses, heaven has stables or whatever heaven's version of stables is. But not nothing. Horses. Open pastures. Pretty scenery. Do you guys really think that the best mountains in existence are here? 
God has this millions and millions of square mile city, but he forgot mountains. It's all just flat and, and kind of gray. And there's like a fog over it so that nobody questions what's under the fog. God, you forgot. Heaven is just lame. It's just so boring. I'm telling you our best mountains were just a whisper of what's happening up there. Our best rivers, a whisper. Our best architecture, a whisper. Our best picket, a whisper. Heaven is a real city. It has real stuff going on. Let me give you a couple of the activities and then we'll break into uh, discussion groups here. Walking down the great street. I want you now, instead of just thinking about places in heaven, I want you to imagine you're at that place and you're doing stuff. Okay? You're walking down the great street of heaven. Now remember, God's the one that allowed it to be advertised to you and your little brain and heart and mind and mine. He allowed it to be advertised to us as the great street of heaven. The great street. So whatever you're thinking, make sure to upgrade it. It's called the great street of heaven. And you're walking down it. What do you see? What's there? It's heaven's great street. This is the big deal. This is the main strip. You are walking down God's main street. He designed it. He's worked out the details. There is architecture. There is beauty. The street is made of gold. But it's just a golden street and then nothing. It's just lame on the right and lame on the left. And just one long yellow brick road that goes to nowhere. That's dumb. It's the street of the city. If the street is made of gold, what's on the side of the street? It's a street. It's not like God got his priorities wrong and went, you know, on earth we're going to make everything else valuable and we're going to make streets kind of like just what you travel. But in heaven, we're going to reverse it. We'll make streets everything and then nothing else matters. <laughs> the principle's the same. In heaven, the street is made of gold and what's next to that street is infinitely cooler than the street. It's a city. You're walking down Main Street. Get your eyes off the gold pavement because that's the lame part. The, the, the simple part, the part that shouldn't draw your attention that much, is the golden road. Don't look at it. Look at that. And that, you're walking down Main Street. You will do this many times in heaven, in the city of the New Jerusalem. Worshiping on the sea of glass like crystal. We're told that there is a, an area in front of the throne. I'll read these verses. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, tribe, uh, uh, I'm sorry, every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So I want you to imagine a billion, because you can't count this multitude, who knows, a billion, three billion, whatever the number is, a lot of people, and how much space does that take up? It takes up a lot of, of territory. Now let's read this verse out of Revelation 15 too, and let's find out what they're standing on. I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, 
and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and the number of its name. They held harps given them by God. Now, it says that these are standing beside the sea, but this makes the sea have to be even bigger than what they're standing beside. I mean, if they're standing there, they have to like, they're standing beside something that's much bigger than it. A sea is bigger than, you know, the little sea sh- or the, uh, the little beach that you're standing at. The sea is much bigger than the beach. They're standing on the beach and they are billions. The sea is much bigger. And it's a location that's coming in front of the throne, the sea of glass like crystal. It's a meeting gathering area. This is one of the destinations. I want you to imagine yourself not in heaven on a cloud floating around. I want you to imagine all two or three billion of us that love Jesus throughout history and into the end of the age, all two, three or billion of us standing right there at the sea of glass like crystal in front of the throne and all of us together are singing one of the worship songs that's been written recently. We're standing there having a moment of worship. We're having a worship time together. This is one of the activities of heaven. One of the activities. Feasting together like we did at the wedding. Revelation 19, 6 through 9, you guys know, there's a wedding supper of the Lamb. It's not just a wedding, it's a wedding supper. So I want you to imagine the wedding. Now stop thinking about that. Now think about the really awesome food you eat at weddings. Wedding's over, as far as the I do's, okay? Over, now it's eating time. And everyone is tenacious. They come in, they're salivating. They can't wait to eat it. But you're only going to get to do this one time and then you never eat again for billions of years. I'm sorry. Lame. This is the first feast together. Not the last. Oh, the wedding supper of the Lamb. We just did that that one time for Jesus and we'll never eat again. We'll never celebrate an anniversary of that event. We'll never have feasts ever again. Yes, you will. You know, God was the one that commanded Israel to do the feasts. Why? God's into feasts. Well, God's been in heaven the whole time. How can a God in heaven like feasts? Because heaven has feasts. And you and I will too. We will have feasts where who knows how that will all work. The times where we'll all get together and we'll eat. All two, three billion saints eating together. Feasts in heaven. I can go to this heaven. If this heaven has feasting, I'm in. I want you to imagine a a huge spread of food. And it's elegant and it's awesome and it's enjoyable. And Jesus, with his event coordinating team, has made the event epic. It's not just food. Can you imagine God doing a party, anything shy of over the top? It's got everything. So you're going to go to feasts in heaven because that's what you do in real places, in cities. You go to feasts. You're going to visit friends at their home. What are you doing tomorrow afternoon? Oh, I'm going to go see my friend I haven't seen in a few years. You are? Where? Heaven doesn't have places like that. Oh, yes, it does. Luke 16, verse 9, Jesus says this. I tell you, use worldly wealth in this age, in this life. Use your money. He says, I want to tell you, it's really important that you give away lots of money. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Buy friends with money. 
Give them your money and they'll like you. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What is this talking about? It's saying if you give your money to that person for them to go on that mission trip, they're going to remember you. And in a, a thousand years, you're going to say, can I come over to your house? And they're going to say, absolutely. First thing we talk about is what I did with that money when I went on that mission trip. And yes, you can come over to my house, to my dwelling. What do you do at dwellings? You just come in and robot. Hi, welcome. I am glad you're here. You sit down and you have coffee. And you hang out and you talk. And you point at stuff on the walls. You go, oh, dude, where'd you get that? That's cool. I love the carpet or whatever. This, what is this? Is this alive? What am I playing? When you go to people's houses, you do house stuff. Because that's what heaven's like because it's a real city. Okay, good. Let's break into groups. How many groups we got tonight? All right, so uh, we're going to do our time of Q&A now. And I'll repeat the questions for those that are watching online and also for the sake of the recording. And so uh, if you guys can, uh, give me your questions kind of loud. This is the group leaders from each group are going to present the question that you guys came up with. So... Um, uh, why don't we start back there, Andy? So, we talked about the city of heaven, and it's called the New Jerusalem, but we also refer to it as heaven to you. Can you give some definition and clarity in terms when we say heaven versus New Jerusalem? Are they interchangeable, or is there a distinction? Yeah, so the question is, are the terms heaven and New Jerusalem interchangeable, or is there a clear distinction? Um, I, I will go ahead and, and say that I think that there is a little bit of mystery on that that I don't have full clarity on. But what we do know is there are lots of passages that refer to heaven as the new Jerusalem. So if you needed a safe default, you could go with they're interchangeable. Uh, because there are so many passages that refer to heaven as the new Jerusalem or new Jerusalem as the heavenly city. And uh, both of those uh, working you know, back and forth. So um, the... The, the thought process before tonight, perhaps for you, if you were never thinking of heaven as a real city, if you were just thinking of it as whatever heaven is, it was so lacking uh, skeletal structure. It was so lacking uh, uh, infrastructure and, and um, you know, real boundary lines and starting point and stopping point that it just kind of existed and it was big and glorious but it didn't have any skin about it and seeing what the scripture says defining it as a city and a city that's specifically two million square miles and again i'm just going to leave that at that because there's a lot more going on there than that but at least two million square miles of dirt well now it's not just a city it's the biggest city you've ever heard of so if you're thinking, well, heaven's got to be bigger than one city, what if that one city is millions and millions and millions of square miles as opposed to a couple of hundred square miles, the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Like, <laughs> Dallas would fit as like a speck <laughs> in, in this reality. Like, it, it wouldn't even show up. Wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a light <laughs> showing up in how big this is. So, uh, I think that... Um, uh, that as a, a general framework, using the terms interchangeably is probably very helpful and, uh, and fairly accurate. So great question. Great question. Yeah. So 
That's a great question. So what do we do with this information? How, how do we live? How do we make the, the glory of this information useful tomorrow? Well, I'll tell you one of the things that the New Testament tells us to do a lot is think on things above, not on earthly things. But if you don't know what's up there, you don't know what to think on. So you probably don't. Because you're like, I thought about it for all 13 seconds that I could imagine. But if you can imagine walking down the street of, of the New Jerusalem, I don't know that you could ever get tired of that scenario. <laughs> I mean, if you can actually start to picture yourself there and then ask the Lord, like, don't ever just imagine things. Pray and imagine and use the Bible. So use Bible verses, meditate on the Bible verses and go, God, give me revelation and take me there in my imagination. Allow me to see. I mean, you, you wrote it in the book for a reason. And you told us that all scriptures God breathed and it's useful. So right now I'm going to imagine the doors. Show me the doors. And get some clarity on the doors. And now all of a sudden your imagination can be preoccupied at any time and go to the most wonderful place ever that we're actually told to think on. Think on things above and not on earthly things. And what that does is it changes your appetites. It changes your thought processes. It, it, I mean, just imagine if you spent a considerable amount of time as a regular part of your daily diet or your, your weekly routine, meditating on heaven from Bible verses, not from idle ideas or from TV shows. Meditating on heaven from Bible verses. Imagine how much happier you'd be. Imagine how much more hope you'd be. Imagine how much you couldn't wait to die. I mean, in the right timing. Imagine. You're like, what am I doing here? This place is B. Like, this is totally small potatoes by comparison to where I'm going. Jesus' coming is called our blessed hope because he... He allows at that point our new permanent address to be a room, a house, a mansion in heaven. And so it has profound impact on our daily lives because it makes the reality of our life and the life after real. And when it's real, then you can live for it. But as long as heaven's like, I don't really know, and then there's all these exhortations in the scripture that are like, live godly and heaven will be better for you. And you're like, I don't even, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't even know if I want heaven to be better. What is heaven? What, is, what does life look like in the next age? I don't even know. But if you can know and you can imagine yourself there, now all of a sudden you have profound uh, uh, divine information that is now leading your heart and talking you into righteousness and causing you to like, no, I, I really want all that later. I want to experience the fullness of that. And so it's profound um, motivation, uh, but only if you've been feeding yourself on it. And so I just want to challenge you, the scripture, think on things above. What does that mean? And what things have you, in obedience to that scripture, what things have you been thinking on? And if you haven't been, we'll fix the problem. There you go. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, yes.
Great question. So the question, more or less, is uh, there are verses that say the temple in heaven and seem to be referring to eternity. And then there's a verse in Revelation 21 that says John looked and he didn't see a temple. It said because the lamb, uh, God and the lamb are the temple. Um, so how do we put those two things together? First thing, it's super important that we recognize the Bible cannot contradict itself. God wrote both verses, okay? Now, I'm going to give you a couple of verses on that that are important. So this is Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus making an eternal promise to those that will be faithful in this age about an eternal reward in the next age. And he says, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. The name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. So even back to the question a minute ago. Okay. This Bible verse can't be wrong. This Bible verse promises overcomers to become a permanent fixture in a temple and they'll never leave the temple. So whatever interpretation we have of Revelation chapter 21 that says, I didn't see a temple because the Lamb and, and God are the temple has to include these pillars and a temple. You guys with me? Because Revelation uh, 3 says there are going to be pillars forever in a temple that these guys are never going to leave. And there's pillars. See, this is a pillar. This pillar, it's a good thing that it never leaves. Because this pillar is holding up the ceiling in a real room. These pillars, they're going to have permanent fixture in the temple forever that's in heaven. And so the uh, it, people bring up the Revelation 21, uh, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. People bring that up as though there's not going to be a temple. We need another version of interpreting that, strip, that scripture because there's too many verses that talk about the fact of the temple forever. What I think is happening there is there is a significant measure of transformation that's happening in the, the coming together of heaven and earth. And there's a great reworking of how all that looks and feels. But the reality of the, of the temple, we've got, I bet you I could find 50 Bible verses that talk about the eternal nature of the temple. So while that temple might morph and experience new things, I also don't want to negate John saying, I did not see. As in from my vantage point where I was, I did not see that temple but John's the one that wrote the book of Revelation, and he's the one that wrote just a little while ago that God was in his temple and he came out of the temple. So John had seen it then. He's saying, now I don't see it. And so uh, I'm, I'm obviously telling you, I don't have all this figured out. But we can't make one verse, and it is one, negate 50 that talk about the eternal reality of the temple. So we need a different version of interpretation of Revelation chapter 21 verse uh, 22 than there is no temple because we know there will be one. But what we also know is there's a lot of mystery in the next age related to architecture. I mean, how can a person be a pillar? There, there's a question. <laughs> and yet a person is a pillar because they were promised if you are faithful in this age, you get to be a pillar in the temple forever. So there's some, there's some nuances of the architecture that we don't have fully figured out, but the existence of the temple forever is a concrete reality. So question over here. Uh, 
Jesus is the same today, forever, yesterday. He's the creator. Is he going to continue to be a creator? Yes. Are we going to get to create with him? Yes. I mean, I, just Jesus is all about partnership. So we create things now with partnership to him. So the Lord said, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop till you come back. He didn't say you have to have blue chairs. We came up with that. He didn't say the walls have to be this color and you got to have these things spaced every, you know, 30 inches on the wall. We came up with that. But God did give us parameters. He said, it's supposed to be this, must be 24-7. We're working on it, Jesus. Give us a little bit of grace. Uh, he gave us parameters and then he said, now I like you. Go do it. And so we will absolutely create with him forever. And if right now our capacity to create and to partner is this big, in the next age we have a resurrected mind. We have a resurrected body. We have resurrected motives and emotions. We have full submission and we have revelation of the, the vastness of God, which right now we can only take a glimpse at. In that hour, we will be very, very, very much like him. We will see things clearly. And under his leadership and our perfect submission to his leadership, we will be given a lot more leash to go build stuff, create stuff, than we have in this age. And in this age, I'm blown away that he gives us any permission at all. And he gives us tremendous permission in this age to create, to build. And so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the creator. He will never stop creating. And he will give us partnership in what he does, who he is, and his activities. And I'll just tell you this, back to the what do we do with this information? The level of your partnership with God in the next age has everything to do with how you live now. Everything. The thoughts in your mind. The way that we live. Everyone will be in heaven, but not everyone will have the same access to him. Not everyone will be given the same privileges. The worst off in heaven is going to be having a really good day all the time. But there will be those that are called least in the kingdom of heaven. And you don't want to be that person. You want to have the greatest amount of access, the greatest amount of reward, the greatest amount of this and that and everything. And it has everything to do with the way that we live in this age. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.